Did you know you can get all of our podcasts and meditations on our new podcast app? Just head over to RoarAttractionPodcast.com and tap the link to download on the Google Play Store or the App Store. For the world's best conscious love and sex podcast and meditations at your fingertips, head over to RoarAttractionPodcast.com to get the app and please tell at least one friend to do the same. Thank you so much. Change the way you think about yourself and relationships forever. Your weekly dose of mind-opening audio goodness starts here with the Raw Attraction Magazine podcast. Welcome everyone to Raw, another Raw Attraction Magazine podcast. We are here today with Lauren Sheehan and Paul Cooper. Um, we're going to be talking about the aspect of play in a relationship because Lauren and Paul uh, are in a relationship with each other at the moment and how long have you guys been together now? We've been at a is little it over six, six months, months a little over six months now. Six months and it's been quite an intense six months you haven't been away from each other too much and you've been exploring each other in depth is that right to say? Yeah for the most part there's been a few times of just having some time apart but for the most part we've been in a pretty deep immersion with each other mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah just before we start um going into the play aspect if you lauren if you can start with what you do i know you write you've had several many um different articles published in in raw attraction and you could just tell us a bit about what you do in your life and then if you could do the same pool afterwards certainly yeah so i um i mainly coach and mentor women and a few men here and there at this point um, just helping liberate them and help them understand how to navigate the process of getting free of the things that drive them that they're not seeing and that are getting in their way of fully expressing themselves and feeling like they can be themselves around anyone. And a lot of my work with women stems from uh, my work in the past four years with the art of feminine presence, really exploring a lot of my own feminine essence and being kind of going around the block in personal growth land. And from that place, kind of moving from my own journey of everything in my world dissolving and really finding out who I am behind all the things that I built and, and built for myself and put up for myself. And how do I really be uh, intimate with someone and particularly with a man. And so now I mainly uh, help a lot of women understand how to navigate being themselves in relationship with others and especially their relationships with the men that they're with. Mm-hmm. It sounds great. Um, yeah, there's many blocks that your many walls we put up stopping us from having the relationships we want so it's it's great what you're doing and i certainly love all the right articles you write for 
Law Attraction there. Uh, one of my favorites to, to read myself, so thank you for those. And Paul, if you'd like to describe your path and where you are right now, what you're doing. Uh, sure. Currently, I'm in Boulder and travel quite a bit, but um, I work with men and women. It's It's been interesting to see how it's... Um, Starting to be more men than women, but initially I was I was working with more women. But uh, I focus on in- attachments and entanglements and setting people free. And uh, my intention with them is to kind of return them to their natural state of freedom and choice, and then to start building from there. Whereas if we build from a place of resistance, like where if we're like trying to create something because we're resisting something we don't want. A lot of times those, tends, those things tend to collapse sooner or later. And so the intention is to get to a, a clear and balanced starting point um, to where they can kind of build whatever they want. Great. So we're going to start today with t- talking about play. Um, I wonder if you both agree with the fact that um, being in a state of love and play is perhaps the highest one of the highest states you can be in in relationship and if you're not in that state of love and play uh it's time to question each other of why you're not there would you agree with that hmm not necessarily in a way i like i hear what you're saying mm-hmm. but the way that most people, and even when you were talking about play and love, think about play and love, don't actually really know what what play and love is. Most people still have a conditional box around those two things. Mm-hmm. And most, a lot of people haven't widened their experience and opened their hearts enough to include like the challenging, sticky parts of relationship um, in their play and that's usually the time when when someone's like oh well we're not in play anymore we're not in love anymore there's something wrong so this must be wrong I just I'm gonna go find some someone else or this isn't working Mm. Uh, for you Paul Uh, yeah my response to that is um I don't disagree with that at all, actually. Um, but, and this kind of alludes to what Lauren was saying, um, then the question comes, like, how are we defining play in a relationship and what does it look like? Because I think, and I think this is what you were getting at, is when two people have kind of, you know, kind of surrendered to each other and, and gone all the way in, and they're both healthy and autonomous individuals themselves, there's um, an equilibrium that gets reached in which play is very natural and and loving interactions are very like come very naturally. And so I think that goes hand in hand with being in a state of freedom is being able to, you know, be playful and, and joyful with, with whoever you're being with, especially your partner. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely what I mean. In terms of then what how do we define what play is how 
how Lauren, if you go first, what does play mean to you? Play to me, there's definitely a huge element of freedom um, within play. Um, it's like, you know, there's a playful energy, kind of like a childlike state of being where you're just free flowing. There's no filter. There's no need to, you know, hold yourself back. And there's also a willingness to step into, yeah, just like a childlike, playful nature. I feel like in the evolution of how Paul and I relate to each other, the closer we get and the more things we move through, the more I just feel we're able to just be children together in a way and just laugh and poke, you know, poke at each other and and then on an, on another playing field there's that kind of playfulness but then there's um there's this this way of meeting each other of always meeting each other and when two people are so committed to being themselves outside of the other person even if that means like when even if that means letting go of that person so when when both people are neither like trying to hold on to the relationship or trying to make it something there's this way where you know one person shows up and says well this is who I am and like this is who I am now and there's sort of this playful interaction of come meet me here or if you don't come meet me here that's fine I'll still love you but there's this playful way of calling each other into growth and into the next versions of ourselves and even there's so much play in um like little battles or like little fights like when all when all of a sudden when this space opens up when um you're no longer worried about keeping the other person or what they think all of a sudden even the most heated tension-filled conflicts become super playful because it feels so free within that to just be angry or battle or fight each other. Now that I'm thinking like Paul and I, um, I like to just beat Paul up <laughs> <laughs> when I'm angry and, and it's fun. It's play. it's like children wrestling, but it's like, there's whatever energy we're working out and there's, so I guess my my point there is that there's lots of different dimensions to play. And I think the big keys for me are freedom, commitment to being your highest self outside of the other person and, um, and not like not being attached to how the relationship should look or keeping it together or needing to micromanage it. Yeah. And Paul, do you like being beaten up by Lauren? <laughs> And also, what is play to you? Yeah, the um, well, first to speak to that, I'm always in agreement when it's something like that. It's kind of when I can see that a bunch of stuff is building up with her, or when some tensions mounting or whatever. And you know, on one hand, I could sit there and grill her. How are you feeling? Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what's going on. Or you know, I could just kind of 
bump into her a little bit with my shoulder and then you know you hit me in the shoulder and then you know we'll just kind of wrestle wrestle and like roughhouse for a little bit and then it releases all of that and so it's definitely not like getting beat up like you know <laughs> some kid on it like curled up in the corner getting kicked by his older sister or something but <laughs> um there's an element of just roughhousing to release those you know, kind of thick emotions that are sometimes hard to get out or get moving with words even. And, but I think in order to do that and in such a way that neither person feels um, emotionally threatened, both people have to have gotten to a place where they both trust themselves, you know? Um, and back to the question of playfulness and, and what it means. For me, the, the ability we have to be playful with each other really depends on how, how much we trust ourselves to be okay regardless of whatever outcome happens. And the more we trust ourselves, the more you, know, you can kind of bat the ball back and forth between each other with whatever kind of banter that, that's going on. And sometimes that looks like you know, fighting with each other, you know, but there's like still like this grin in, on the corner of your mouth, you know, you're like kind of smiling through the whole thing because it's just like this battle, but both of you know that you're going to be fine on the other side and, or, you know, it, it might be laughing and goofing off and joking about what each other said the other day or whatever happens, like just to have like this playful energy that continue to move between you and, and so that's kind of what it looks like and feels like to me. Um, this is almost as if uh, to get to that state of play, we have to undo all the layers since we were, I don't know, six years old or eight years old or however old we were in our most playful states. Um, because it's those times in play that time didn't exist. We weren't thinking about what we have to do tomorrow. Uh, or what happened yesterday. We were just in an utter state of bliss and playfulness. Mm-hmm. And then through our teenage years and adult life, um, there's all these layers that get put on to stop us from accessing this type of play in relationship uh, that didn't exist or hasn't existed for since we were that young. Um, so how might well, what, what, in your opinions, are <coughs> the biggest blocks on, or some of the blocks on stopping us, stepping us, stepping back into that state? Well, I think part of what Paul started to say was um, really around this, I, this idea that we're starting to conceptualize a, a lot more around creating an emotional playing field for yourself and with the person that you're partnered with. And the fact, just like you were saying, Steve, there's, and probably it goes back to before we could even talk the things that kind of program us and how we play or how we feel we're allowed to be in the world and what we, um, what we make ourselves to be. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of unlearning, but I think one of the biggest detriments to that I, that I kind of saw in my personal growth journey is that there's this idea that we can kind of just sit sit alone by ourselves and meditate in a corner and like love ourselves like look at all of our shit and love ourselves back into wholeness and then somehow go back into the world and into relationships and 
be fine. And so a part of creating this emotional playing field is recognizing that intimate relationships and generally, generally they show up in the form of love relationships because those are the things that we want usually the most in in the world. And then we can look at our relationships with our parents as well. But it's like the, the relationships that come into our lives are our greatest training ground and the fastest pathway um, to basically clearing through all the triggers and all the emotional wounding and knots and tangles that we create as we grow up that we just acquire via society because Mm -hmm. um, in order to feel free to be playful, we have to know who we are. And in order to know who we are, we have to allow ourselves to be known. And in order to allow ourselves to be known, we have to be willing to like play out our lives in such a way where we're not trying to be perfect, where we're not like, stuffing in the behaviors that we know we don't want to do. And that's part of, in a way, um, a little detriment to uh, growing a a conscious self that can be very aware and witness our own behavior because we start to feel the underlying parts of us that want to act out in ways that we don't really enjoy or we're like, well, that's not going to work in relationship or if I do that, he's not going to like it and he's just going to go away. So I'm not going to do that. And there's like a trusting in yourself as you allow yourself to just um, play out the behaviors and let another person see you in your like darkest parts. And that is how you get the visceral feedback a that, you're going to be okay. And that's how you actually get to see yourself. And that's how all that stuff actually dissolves and resolves itself in a way that you start to feel more free and clear with your emotions so that you can move into a state of play with the person that you're in relationship with, but also with most everyone else in the world, because you're not afraid um, to crumble. Like you're not afraid of your own that you can't handle the emotions that are coming or that you can't handle any situation that might come based on whatever happens. If you let yourself be you. Mm -hmm. There's certain mindsets to go into a relationship with, for example, being vulnerable and also owning your emotions. Do not spray uh, your emotions upon someone else. Do not, impose them on someone else uh, but own them for yourself for example these kinds of mindsets is there other ones you can think of that would help people uh, to step more into play and burn off like you say all the things that need burning off well i like what you said about in order in order to be in that state of play it takes returning to that childlike state of mind where time isn't an issue and we aren't burdened by concerns of the world and so forth. And I, I agree with that completely. And I think it's one thing to be able to get to that place, like Lauren was saying, while you're you know in a meditation or whatever, but to carry that into the world and to, and to carry that childlike sense of innocence and freedom into 
into a relationship or into a space with another person is a whole other challenge. And so the first order of business, as far as I'm concerned, when I'm moving into a relationship with somebody is, is burning through all those layers and all those things and, and cultivating a sense of trust with that person. And Lauren can probably attest to that. Like going through that initial part process isn't super pleasant. It was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) What what kind of things were happening between? Well, because I kind of called it shape shifting. And so anytime I would feel her creating an expectation of how I was supposed to show up for her, I think what most men do is try and try and match that expectation in order to earn favor with the woman. Can you give an example of maybe one that happened between you both? Um, you know, I mean, like I had a whole list. Women have whole lists of things that they want in a man and how their man, you know, he needs to pay for everything. This I didn't necessarily have this one, but like he needs to pay for everything or I need him to bring me flowers. That means he loves me or I think probably a lot with me was wanting physical attention or affection, um, needing him to, I just think on some level just to, uh, to stay a certain way or to show up in a way that was solid and never changing. Um, I kept trying to put my, like what, whatever I was doing in essence, like it was me trying to put my sense of security in the world in him and however that was. So I don't, I don't know that it was always very specific things, but it would just be like he would show up in a certain way. And then I would kind of grasp onto that and make it solid and use that as a way to feel safe. And okay, now I can be happy because I've got this man and he is this way and I'm going to expect him to always be this way, which in effect just crumbles a man really. Well, and I want to be, I want to clarify that as I'm describing how it plays out now, it'll sound intentional. Like it'll sound as if it was something I was trying to do, but it's more something that is clear in hindsight. And so I don't want to. It wasn't like Paul was this Zen master that knew what he was doing. And it was a function of him. I would say that in our how our relationship started that you were you had a you had a much clearer sense of who you were and how to be yourself in the face of any like basically not caring what anyone else thought more than I did so as a function of you being you this is what happened right and so i remained steadfastly unwilling to bend myself in order to meet her expectations and i think as men, we can always feel what the expectations of the woman are. Like, I want him to respond to me in this certain way when I have this kind of feeling. And, for example, if Lauren shared a certain emotion with me and I responded favorably one time, then there's this sense of latching onto that. And later, perhaps, if she's wanting attention, then she'll bring a similar emotion back to to get that same favorable response. But as soon as I would pick up on it 
being shared from a place of wanting a response from me, then I would usually not come forward with that same response and cause a, and it would cause an emotional reaction in her. So it's almost like behavioral conditioning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're just subconsciously almost acting um, according to the emotions that you want to receive and be. Uh, you will behave in a certain way to elicit in, in, uh, certain actions. But it's being aware of all of those at the same time, which is which is a quite a job if you're being consciously aware of them all the time. Right, and so there's a way of burning through that stuff so that it kind of goes away, and you don't have to constantly keep your awareness on it because keeping your awareness on it all the time could take up all of your attention. Yeah, um, and so as we go through this unlearning. And kind of re realigning and reprogramming of our subconscious. Then, did you find play within all of this, with with just uh, playing with the emotions and behavioral conditioning? Did you find play within that? I did. Lauren probably <laughs> felt a little bit less play, like in her when she would be in her emotional like in her emotional reactions, but after the emotional reaction, when she would realize what had just happened, then there was, it would open up a space of greater playfulness and greater trust between us because one of the crucial parts of being in such a way that causes emotional reactions when somebody's acting in a way that's out of alignment with their higher self, then one of the crucial parts is being there on the other side of the reaction to not make them wrong and to hold them in that space and to, to keep them safe in their reaction, to allow them to be seen in the reaction. And what happens a lot of times, I think, is men inadvertently cause these reactions and women, we can't really help it. It's just something we do. But then we don't really want to handle the reaction. And so we push them away or make them wrong. And that actually constricts our ability to be playful with each other because mm -hmm. if we always think that we're going to be made wrong if we emotionally if we have an emotional reaction then there's less willingness to put ourselves out there mm -hmm. do you think it's possible to be playful in everything because although play is between the two people surely being playful is a mindset and therefore if you have that mindset all the time then you can pretty much be playful within everything. Sure. But Paula's saying for me, it took me it took me a few months to even understand that play. Like to even be able to handle the idea of playfulness being being in this super huge conflict with a lot of tension and a lot of pressure. That was that was like uncomfortable to me. But that's because I had a lot of experience growing up that really, like, I I hadn't really ever been in situations where conflicts like that or really uncomfortable situations like that ever got resolved or ever ended up in like, a, oh, okay, now that we got that out, I love you. This is so great. Now we have all this space. They always just kind of stopped and 
people in the in the situation became more withdrawn. And I think that happens with a lot of people. And so that's part of why play can only happen in everything when you really trust yourself to handle whatever situation comes to you and whatever emotional um, conditions and sensations are moving through your body. Because if you're constantly feeling like you're scared, like you're trying to protect something in your world or yourself, or you're afraid that you're going to crumble or I think in the man situation, why a lot of men can't like don't want to sit and just be with a woman's reaction is because inherently they don't trust themselves to get manipulated by her emotions or by whatever she's going to say that's going to hook you in, into feeling bad about yourself or feeling wrong. You know, like there's a woman's reaction and whatever she says, like, fuck you, you don't know what you're talking about or there's a lot of things that we can say that can hook into you and and you can go into agreement with them and make yourself wrong and start to go into your own process of being triggered. And so that's a part of why moving through the triggers and stuff is so helpful because you have to come to this place where you just know that you're not really going to be manipulated anymore. And if you end up getting manipulated, you'll figure a way out of it and you'll be fine. Yeah. I think yeah, one of the, it's a good point about manipulation, and uh, there's always been this kind of separation between men and women, and men will go down to the bar or pub and um, speak about how they don't understand women, or she's doing this, she's doing that, and, and there's like some alien species that uh, we don't know how to handle as men, uh, which is completely wrong um once we learn to move through and realize that we just have to sit sit with the storm sometimes the fire of a woman um and be present for it we don't have to go and beat ourselves up in our heads saying we we did something wrong or maybe we did but it's not it's not <coughs> it's not always the case um yeah, well, even if you did, even if you did something, quote unquote, wrong mm-hmm. or hurtful, um, there's still a there's still a really powerful way to like stand in front of that woman and not make yourself wrong for it. You know, it's that way of just like standing up to somebody and being like, "Yeah, I did that, mm-hmm. and I'm fine with it." It's like our people's lack of wanting to. Um, just be responsible for our choices or our actions. And I think, I know for me, just there's a huge fear in, I call it crumbling, just this huge fear in like, well, I can't handle myself or I'm the spiral, whatever spiral that that would take me down to and not feeling connected to myself and feeling super powerless and, and helpless and, as I'm talking, this is reminding me of another aspect of play is like part of the reason why it's hard for people to actually play with each other is because mostly everyone in the world is trying to have this power dynamic struggle. And it's one thing I really learned with Paul and also being an only child, like I didn't know how to be an equal being in a relationship with a person. I only knew how to be 
above them as like a teacher or a leader or like below them somehow as like a student or like, I don't know as much. And Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to play really with another person when you're trying to either be above or below them. Yeah. I think you can, but the only way to do it is actually in, um, a contained setting such as dominance and submission recently done workshops on that where you are actually playing with the dominance and submissive aspect mm-hmm. um, and BDSM is a, a, is a really good adventure program for that but that, that's an, another conversation um, but yeah you're right you certainly need to be on be aware of those dynamics and to be in in a playing a playground the dance of play needs to happen um, yeah definitely and once you step into a space as equals, um, I think that opens up a space where you can play with, with power dynamics between each other because there's this underlying sense of trust that, or knowing that you're equals. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of enter this more infinite space of, where, you know, Lauren could potentially try to manipulate me in a way, and I could play into that or not play into it. And ultimately, I'm not threatened by it because I'm not really a candidate for being manipulated or vice versa. Like, Lauren may, you know, I may, you know, throw a few things out here, there that kind of pull Lauren in one direction or the other. And she may, you know, play into agreement with that and go on the little emotional ride that that is going to take. But there's an underlying sense that she's not really a candidate for being manipulated by me either. How, as a man, did you get to a state of non-manipulation? For me, actually, I went home and let my mom trigger me until there was no more triggers left. Wow. And... Now my mom and I get along great, but before I went home, like we could barely, I mean, we could make it a few days being cordial with each other or whatever, but she would, you know, with all the best intentions, always ask me the the questions that I wasn't asking myself and, you know, push buttons and like, and place her expectations on me and her fears on me and all of that stuff would bring up emotional reactions in me. And until a few years ago, I didn't understand that that wasn't her fault, that I was responsible for those emotions. And once I came into the understanding of that and how to deal with that, then I, um, and this was, you know, post-divorce for me and my parents invited me home and initially it was the last place I wanted to go. I had really no interest in going there and just getting like emotionally beat up again. Mm. And, but then the next day I saw Ram Dass's quote that said, if you think you're so enlightened go spend a week with your parents. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, Oh man, I have to go. And it's the thing that scares me the most. And so I went and just, stayed in the basement and every time my mom would come and try and see if I was okay or 
try and fix me or whatever she would try and do, I would just stay open to her and just uh, and open and open and any feelings that would come up, I would just take the time I needed to move them through and feel them. And eventually I got to a place where there was nothing she could say to me that would upset me. And I could just be in the knowing that, well, if you're upset at me, mom, then, you know, that's your responsibility. And she couldn't really, she couldn't instigate me into some vortex of negative emotion. And so did she change through this process? Was it just yourself? Absolutely. She, as I stopped going into agreement with the kind of tangly nature of our relationship, um, she had multiple like crumblings or emotional breakdowns that in those moments she, you know, blamed me for and told me what a horrible son I am and that she hates me and all of this stuff. But then she would come out on the other side and a day or two later, she'd be carrying herself with more lightness and like have a more genuine smile on her face. And so I got to witness this transformation in my mom to where she started moving through the world with a greater sense of grace and ease because she was no longer taking my decisions personally and in return, no longer ascribing positive or negative meaning to the decisions I was making. And so there was more room for her to let me just be myself. That's great. I commend you on that journey. Well done. Well, and I also, I want to add that another thing around becoming unmanipulatable around that process was also um, untangling yourself from money as well when you were like in the process Absol of absolutely. going Absolutely. Like, um, when I was at home, one of the, one of the decisions I made that kind of opened the flood, floodgates between my mom and I was me deciding that I wasn't going to do anything for money that I wouldn't do for free anymore because my mom used to like to, you know, use money to kind of, to pull my strings or push my buttons and get me to do the things that she wanted me to do, which she thought were in my best interest. And they may or may not have been in my best interest. It's really irrelevant. But when I was felt coerced by money in those situations, um, it made me resistance to, resistant to it. And so I made that decision as a way to release myself from any from being coerced by money. And so for the next, I guess, year and a half or two years, I only did what I felt intrinsically motivated to do. Like if I didn't feel moved to do anything, I would just sit in my bed all day. And but then after I gave myself a little bit of space in that place, then my natural interests started to emerge and and the way I would interact with people when I wasn't pursuing something outside of me when and the nourishing interactions that kind of brought me to life started to emerge and um then I just kept doing what I would do for free. For, I just did it for free until I got good enough at it to charge money for it. And that's also how I came into what I do now. And what I found out was that what I did naturally, absent of any pursuit of money, was talk people through what was tangling them up in their lives and help them 
use their own free will to negotiate their own freedom. And since then, I've gotten much better at it. And now I find it more fruitful to enter people into a coaching container that's strong enough to hold the transformation that takes place. And But I did it for free for a while as, as my skills developed. Mm. How did that just translate into a relationship with Lauren? The money issues, you're setting that free. Well, I think um, as long as we are being, as men, we are heavily coerced by money or we're heavily driven by money. And so... Women uh, will use that. Yeah, women will use that to just yank your chain all the time. All a woman has to do is start challenging the standard of living that you hold and make you feel like you're not good enough. And all of a sudden you're, she's just running you all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, there's any number of ways that they can, if we are driven by money, they can just poke and prod at those cords that are attached to money and, and manipulate our behavior. And so by the time I, Matt Lauren, I was firmly established in a place where I didn't connect my sense of worth or my sense of who I am to anything financial or material outside of me. Like, and so it freed me up in a, in a tremendous way when it came to the normal and subconscious ways that women tend to try and coerce the things they want from men and manipulate the things they want from them. I just wasn't mm -hmm. buying into it at all. So uh, as men, we have these um, things we need to work through on, on the money side. But Lauren, do you have any words of advice, perhaps, for women when it comes to these entanglements, especially with money? Yeah. Well, I think there's, whether you're a woman or a man, um, the entanglement piece is pretty similar. Like we're all really attached to money and we all have um, a lot of unresolved attachments with our parents, but just like Paul went home and um, resolved all, all his stuff with his mother and Paul had a stepdad, but um, so there was some stuff with his dad. Um, but for women, it's, it's like the way that we, interact with a man is generally shaped by how we learn to interact with our father. And so in a similar way, um, every thing that's driving you in relationship to a man comes from some unresolved thing with both of your parents, but specifically your father. And what happens often is like you will a man will show up in your world and you'll be basically trying to get the love that you never got from your father. And in, in turn, you'll sort of turn into your mother unknowingly and you'll be like recreating these patterns that we just got growing up. So part of it is to just recognize that. And the, the other piece is that as women, um, I don't, know that a lot of women are talking about this right now, but it's a big thing I have been talking about more is really ha having, being more responsible as women for the part that we play in how we manipulate 
the world and how we manipulate men to get what what we want and how we use we can use sex and we can use money and we can use a lot of culturally accepted ways of being in relationship that are actually just um, still methods of trying to like control and coerce the people around us so that we can feel safe. So the a really big first step for women is to start to understand that much of what we want as women and in our relationships is built on a fantasy that we have. And it's built around this fear of letting go of control and being in surrender. And actually most women are probably trying to do things to keep their relationship intact and keep things harmonious. And so it's more of like a recognition for a woman to step into a higher, a higher state of being in relationship to a man and start to look at where you feel yourself clinging and holding on and where you're holding yourself back, where you're holding your expression back, um, where you're feeling like, you know, the world can't handle me or this man can't handle me. And I'm not going to say this, or I'm not going to do this because if I do that, then it'll cause him to X, Y, Z. And I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to feel what's on the other end of that. All that, that whole mechanism has to stop. It has to stop because isn't manipulation the antithesis of play? Yeah. I mean, when you're like, when you're unconsciously doing it, yes. Like Paul kind of talked about earlier, but once you're free of doing doing it unconsciously or feeling like you're going to get trapped by it, then you can, you know, manipulate, you know, till the cows come home and it's playful again. But it's when it's being done unconsciously that it becomes detrimental and it just becomes more tangly and it just holds someone back from from being themselves. And so I think on a woman's end, there's just a general fear of um, showing the fullness of who we are and the fullness of our emotional capacity to the man that we're with because ultimately on some level we're afraid of losing his presence. We're afraid of losing him. And as women, like we cherish our relationships. We want, you know, we love them. We want to be in them so much. We, they're so, so important to us as women and we'll almost like do anything to keep them, even if that means stuffing ourselves down and it just starts to take a little bit of courage to say, okay, I'm willing to let this go and I'm willing to show myself to this, to this man. And, um, on a similar level, like a man, a man learning to be with a woman's reaction. There's a lot of women right now who are in relationships with men who have not grown emotionally. And there's a similar way where when a woman starts to step into a place of not going into agreement with the tangles, a man, a man will start to 
have all kinds of crazy emotional reactions. And a, a woman, what women will do is go in and rescue a man from from having his emotional reaction because we don't want him to be mad or it's uncomfortable for us. Just kind of like Paul was saying, his mom would come in and try to poke him. Like, what's going on? Do you feel okay? Like, how are you, how are you doing? Because we're, we get uncomfortable with his emotional state and we want to fix it so that we can feel more comfortable so that we don't have to feel this fear of losing him or losing the relationship. So that would be one big piece is um, learning to not rescue a man from his. Yeah, Yeah, this is almost an unconscious conditioning that that women think that men can't handle their emotions and they will leave. Or when it gets too tough, when there's too much negative emotion, he can't handle it and he will leave. Yeah, Mm -hmm. basically. And, you know, it happens a lot. So there's a lot of physical evidence Mm. for that to be true. And so a woman has to be willing to feel through everything that comes up around her own sense of self-worth and enoughness and just be okay with him leaving and not getting, that's a way that we get manipulated. It's like the money thing with men, maybe a little bit with us, it's like, oh, he's going to leave. So you know, there, there are these little pulls. How can I fix the situation? How can I do something to make sure that he doesn't leave or to create, make this harmonious again? Um, and so we have to be willing to cut a man's head off. And if he leaves, he leaves. So getting to a state of play, as we've chatted about is certainly a complex beast and i think we'll definitely need another podcast um in a couple of weeks time perhaps to discuss this more uh, thank you to lauren and paul for sharing about your relationships and your personal lives um to help us understand more about play absolutely thank you for having yeah, us Steve. thank you for having us so the people listening can find out any more about your stuff and where you where they can contact you i think you've both got websites is that right what is yours yeah my website is femininerhythm.com that's where i have information about how to work with me i write a pretty raw blog there um and you can also can work with me personally or um you can work with both paul and i at the same time and you can certainly find Lauren's writings in, in, in Raw Attraction magazine as well. And for Paul, where can people find out about you? Um, I uh, have a website. It's hybridtruth.com. And uh, my email is cooper at hybridtruth.com. So those are good ways to get in touch with me. Otherwise, um, my Facebook page is a good spot as well and so i post on both of those places great cool well thank you again and we will definitely have you back soon to chat more about awesome sounds great have a great afternoon did you know you can get all of our podcasts and meditations on our new podcast app just head over to rawattractionpodcast.com and tap the link to download on the google play store or the app store for the world's best conscious love and sex podcasts and meditations at your fingertips. Head over to rawattractionpodcast.com to get the app to 
please tell at least one friend to do the same. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Raw Attraction Magazine podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please share it and spread the love. Until next time, we wish you a loving, sexy, and intimate week.